It's another sermon series that we kind of listen to and hear and kind of digest, but we really take to heart. And so that's why um, every sermon I'm putting, giving you three questions to answer throughout the week. And this week, you're going to be very challenged by the questions I'm asking you. I think every week you're going to be challenged, but specifically this week, you're going to be challenged um, in a good way. Amen? So um, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll jump right in. And I know that we have a lot, you know, different people missing. I'm sending this message to them. If you're here, you better listen to this message. You already are listening to the message, but make sure you answer the questions, dudes and dudettes. All right. Special message there. Um, We're going to go through the first two chapters today, and um, it's going to be awesome. So let's say a prayer. Father in heaven, we're grateful, so grateful to you, Lord, that um, you've given us life. Life that is a gift. God, from you, Lord, life that is messy, and we don't know what's going to happen even today to us, Lord, let alone tomorrow. Lord, and we, we try to control things, and we think that um, sometimes we know best, and the truth is we don't. God, this world lies to us. This world lies to us, Lord. Every single day it lies to us, saying, you're going to live on. Keep on Working, keep on doing, keep on <clears throat> trying to avoid the inevitable that you will die. And Lord, I know that uh, it's kind of a weird book, the book of Ecclesiastes. It's one of those books that at first glance, it seems pessimistic. But God, underneath it all, Lord, is amazing wisdom that gives me so much joy. And Lord, I pray that that's what would happen to the whole congregation, that we would live differently, that we would live backwards, that we wouldn't live as the world lives, God. Because, Lord, we can, we can go to church and we can have a Bible and we can know verses, but we can still have the mindset of the world. And, Lord, help us to be different. Help us to help others be different because, Lord, it is a, a rat race that we live in, Father. It is a, a hamster wheel. It is a... Uh, if we look at it deeply, it can be pretty depressing without God. And so we just ask you, Lord, to help us to get the wisdom that comes from the wisdom books, Father. And this is one of them, Ecclesiastes, Lord. I love the wisdom books because they challenge me to go deeper. Lord, we need to go deeper as a congregation, Lord. We need to go deeper as, as disciples, Lord, and how we see uh, our lives and the world around us. God, help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So the series is called Living Backwards, okay? And it's kind of an interesting way to think. What I mean by living backwards isn't, you know, living backwards and, you know, doing everything backwards, having your shirt backwards. Thinking about your life as it pertains to the fact that you're going to die someday. You're going to die someday. Did you know that, church? You might die today, church. And we don't love thinking about that. I don't love thinking about that. That you're older, you're getting older every day, that every Sunday that goes by is one less week that you have. Oh, man. Man, that's not encouraging. <laughs> you know, let's go to Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2. 
And, and at first glance, you're going to be like, what is this? What's happening? Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And that's my message today, guys. Have a great week. Be of good cheer. Go make disciples. You know, I mean, I think, I do think it's like, what? You know, what are you talking about? And so we're going to get deeper into this. And I think the book of Ecclesiastes is like any other book in the Bible. I think the people that were putting together, you know, the canon, didn't know what to do with this book. They were like, um, this isn't like every other book. You know, Psalms, it gets a little crazy sometimes in the book of Psalms. But we know those are just prayers from people. This book is a little different. Proverbs is, is pretty straightforward in a lot of ways. In the sense that it says, hey, get wisdom. It's a good thing, right? Gain it. Spend all you have on wisdom. And, and if you're wise and if you're humble and if you do what's right, you will be most likely blessed. Most of these scriptures say that. Ecclesiastes doesn't say that. And you go, the same guy wrote the same two sources we have. But can two things be right? Can two things be true? And the answer is, it, it, it can be true. That yes, gain wisdom, get wisdom. It's a good thing to get wisdom, but it's meaningless in the end if you just do it for wisdom, its sake. You know, the big idea of this little message is, without God, life is meaningless. And I think we need to share our faith like that. You know, that, that we need to open up the book of Ecclesiastes and use this as a gospel sermon, church. That you need to show people the passage, hey, let, instead of, you know, let's read the book of John, but also let's read the book of Ecclesiastes. Because I think the thinking here, especially in Maine and Portland, is, is, is they're living this way. And we need to help them to understand the end. That really, you know, don't you hate wasting time? I hate wasting time. Don't you hate wasting time? It's just like, oh man, I just did that and I wasted time. You know, uh, you ever, I, I put together things all the time for my house. And I know what's going to happen every time. I'm going to put it together wrong. <laughs> I'm going to get everything right except one detail because I'm not a detail person. Even though I think about it three or four times. But that's how Glenn does it. He puts it together wrong and then he puts it together right. <laughs> that's basically how I do life. But it feels like a waste of time. <laughs> you know, it feels like a waste of time in a lot of ways. But the truth is... I don't like it. No one likes wasting time. And that's what this world's doing right now. They're wasting time. They're spending their energy on things that are not, you know, not truly meaningful. You know, most of the Bible is optimistic. Somewhat straightforward. Would you, can I get an amen? I'm, I'm grateful that is. You know, repent and be baptized, every one of you, right? That's a good one, you know? Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. That's a great one. It's very straightforward. You know, the righteous, you know, what will happen if you're righteous? What will happen if you're wicked? Solomon says, it might not happen like you think it's going to happen. Most likely it's not. And the wise person and the fool person are going to come to the same end. They're both going to die. It's all meaningless. Whoa, wait, what are you talking about? Solomon is a man who deeply believes in God, right? I mean, he's not, 
an atheist, but he's speaking to the secular world right now. And that's who we speak to every day, amen? When we're around, we're around the secular world. This is how they think. And this is how we can think if we're not careful. And so Solomon is trying to wake us up. Some theologians say this is the strangest book in the Bible. One commentator said that it seems like Ecclesiastes is like seeing a homeless person on the street who almost seems drunk, just saying, meaningless, meaningless, it's all meaningless. And you're like, I'm going to go on the other side of the street. <laughs> you know, this guy's depressed and, and he's, he's, wait a second, he's wearing a, a suit coat. What, what is that? He's got a nice Rolex on. What do you mean? Why is he saying meaningless? Wait, let me get closer to that drunk man. Wait a second, he's not drunk. And he, and wow, he, he's got all this money in his wallet. What is he doing out here? And then you start asking the man, what, what's going on? And he, he, he says, well, why don't we get a cup of coffee and talk? And I'll tell you about my life. And that's what a book of Ecclesiastes is like. Mm-hmm. Not many people want to dive into it. It's painful. It's a little scary. You know, and, and you see him eating these dirty peanuts, and he's joyful eating them. He's like, yeah, I found these on the ground, but man, they're so good. Mm. And every peanut he's eating, you're like, he should get the good peanuts. He's got money. Why is he out here like this? And it's very confusing sometimes, the book of Ecclesiastes. Another person said it's like a crazed man downtown. He smells like he hasn't bathed, looks like it too. And we pass by, he won't stop glaring at us and beckoning us that our lives are built as illusions. And that we're all going to die. Do you want to hang out with that guy? Most people don't. Most people don't want to hang out. You know, I'd like to go to that psalm thing. The Lord is my shepherd. Play that. The backtrack music. I shall not be in want. You know, I love those scriptures. You know, that's a great scripture. But Ecclesiastes, it, it, it like punches you in the back. You're walking by and so boom, someone punches you back. You're like, oh. But the, but the punch is truth. It wakes you up. It gets you thinking. And I think that's what it's going to do to us. You know, we have to get deeper, church. Sometimes we can be shallow, right? Yeah. It's easier to be shallow, but it's more futile to be shallow. And what Solomon is trying to do is he's saying, let's get a cup of coffee together. Yes, I have a Rolex. Yes, I have many houses. Yes, I am a billionaire. Yes, I am the richest man and the wisest man in the world. But I hate life. And let me tell you why. But I have an answer at the end of it all. I got it's gonna, it's gonna pull up, don't worry. It's gonna pull up, just get coffee with me. And maybe the, 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 the crazed man wouldn't even tell you that. He would see if you'd come with him. Why do you hate life? Well, let me tell you why I hate life. And he goes into the book of Ecclesiastes. You're like, I don't even want to be a part of this series. <laughs> this series sounds kind of too intense. You know, it's, it's summertime, Glenn. Come on. Come on, it's summertime. We're going camping. What are you doing? Well, you'll enjoy camping a lot more if you get the understanding of Ecclesiastes. Amen? Living backwards, Ecclesiastes 1 and 2. The message today is called Smoke and Mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. Let's get into the Bible. Amen? Verse 1. We're going to read the whole two chapters. 
The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and it turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It is already, it has been here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things there is done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I've increased in wisdom more than anyone that has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to understand the understanding of wisdom and all of the madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with which, which much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs of water groves, of flourishing trees. I brought male and female slaves. I also had slaves who were born in my house. I also owned herds and flocks and anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. The delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. 
Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successors do than what has already been done? I saw the wisdom is better than folly. Amen. Just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fools walk in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise like the fool will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. So I hated life because the work that is done in the sun was grievous to me. All of it meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I've told for under the sun because I must leave them to one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be fool or a wise or foolish. Yet they have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and then must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get from all their toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All the days they work in grief and pain, even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. I'm so glad that verse 24 is here. <clears throat> a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of who, church? God. For without him, who can eat or, or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. We just need to pause for a second and digest what we just read. There's a lot here. I think we know deep down in our hearts that Solomon is right. First and foremost, he doesn't say, I am Solomon, ever in this, in this book. He says, I was the king of Israel, the son of David, right? The offspring of David. I amassed more wealth than anyone else before me, and I amassed more wisdom than anyone else before me. Who do we know that has that? Obviously, Solomon. Amen? He asked God. God asked him, what, I'll ask, you, ask me for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. That's a, that's a terrible question to ask me. I don't want to ever be asked that question. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it's such a hard question. And the thing that made me sad as I was studying the Bible is he asked for wisdom. And God gave it to him. And maybe he was the most sad person that ever lived. He should have asked for God's heart, church. He should have asked, I want your heart. My father David was striving after your own heart. I want your heart. Man, he wish he said that. Because in that he would have got wisdom. He would have gotten all those things. But he got wisdom. And, and he said, imagine 
Him thinking, wait, I got wisdom. And we want wisdom. But that's, wisdom alone is meaningless. Just because you know something doesn't mean anything. Just because you know what's right and wrong doesn't mean that you're going to enjoy it. Doesn't mean you're going to live the way you should live. Doesn't mean you're going to not live a meaningless life. We know a lot of people who have a lot of wisdom. Heck, just turn on Jeopardy. Those people got a lot of wisdom. What are they doing when they go home? They're getting on the hamster wheel again, right? He calls himself Koheleth, which means the preacher or the teacher, the leader of the assembly. That's what he calls himself. I like saying the preacher. Because I don't think he's just teaching. I think he's preaching here. But he's preaching in a way that you've never heard before. I don't feel comfortable sometimes just preaching this way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like hitting you with depression. (laughs) Like my first point is meaningless. My second point is meaningless. And my third point is meaningless. What? And then what does this word meaningless mean? Well, it doesn't just mean meaningless. Amen? It means something much deeper. It means breath, mist, smoke, vapor. That in some ways, life is like that. That's what life's like. You see, life is a tangible, physical thing. It's, it's, it's smoke. It's it's right there in your hands, right? That's your life right there. You're like, what do you mean? And, and, and trying to control that smoke in your hands is the most frustrating thing that we all are trying to do right now. I'm going to control it. No, no, I'm going to control this smoke. And then it just goes through your hands. That's what he's saying here. Meaningless. Meaningless. That your life is brief. That your life is a mist. You know, I've been to a couple funerals in my family. I've been to a couple funerals, obviously, as a minister. And let me tell you, life is brief. Life goes quickly. I've seen five of my relatives who are very wealthy give their inheritance to people that never earned it. I saw people who didn't enjoy their wealth. Didn't enjoy their life, but they just kept saving the nuts. I've seen it five times. How many times did Solomon see it? Some of us are young. I don't know if we think about these things. But what are you toiling for? Who are you toiling for? What are you doing with your life? We need to ask ourselves that question. We can't just keep on living week to week, day to day. We, We sometimes do that, don't we? Solomon wants us to take pause and remember that it's just smoke. You know, this is a breath. That's your life. So then the question is, if that's our life, how do we live? And that's exactly what is going to be great for us to get into more. But I want us to think first for a second what it really means. What this really means. Breath. Meaningless is not a complete definition. But like smoke, it's hard to grasp. Try to grab life. It changes right in your hands. 
The meaning of life can be mysterious without God. Amen? But with God, there is meaning. There is meaning. But even as Christians, I think sometimes we can live like the world does, but say Jesus is Lord. We can still try to just keep on toiling and keep on doing and keep on doing. What are we doing? What are you doing? What am I doing? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves. <clears throat> so I, we start in this first chapter, and he says, smoke, mist, mist, a breath, says the teacher. All of life is just a mist. Who said that? James said that. It's funny, James and Solomon are kind of like brothers from another mother. Do you know what I mean? They're both kind of intense. They're not optimistic most of the time, and they come at you, and they punch you in the back. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, thank you. Don't do that. Can I, can I take a little time to digest that and then punch me again? But he does it over and over again, and this, he doesn't let you rest. You know what, what hits me is that the first part of this chapter, there's a cyclical thing. The sun comes up. The sun comes down. The water returns to the water. You know, the sky has these seasons, and it's, you're just a part of this. Even the earth and the, and the world is in frustration because it just keeps on doing the same thing. Dust you'll be. Dust you'll return, right? It's super intense what he's saying here, but it's so important that you understand that you're going to die. You're going to die. And if you don't understand that, it can be real trouble for you. Um, what I'd like to do now is to play the song by Kansas. <laughs> Dust in the Wind. Okay, guys? So we're going to get in this song here. And, uh... All right, go ahead. Best 
All right. We have a long ending. Well, who has heard that song before? Doesn't it speak to you? I mean, those guys, they had some issues too, but that one, they got right. The lyrics, same old song, just a drop of water in the endless sea. All we do crumbles to the ground, though we refuse to see. We don't like, it's uncomfortable to go there emotionally. That your job, in the end, means nothing. (laughs) What are you talking about? You know, Trevor's going to dental school, man. He's going to dental school. He's working so hard. He's going to be a dentist. He's going to have this whole practice. He's going to help lots of people with their teeth. But no one's going to remember Trevor Halberg. We don't even like it's like this that that feels bad, doesn't it feel bad? But it's freeing, church. Amen. You know who will remember Trevor? God. Amen. God is the only one that I need to build a legacy with. I don't need to build a legacy. You know, I just for some strange reason I get this like uh, email. I don't follow anyone on Twitter, but for some reason I, I guess I did. And Elon Musk sense this thing, you know. We got the new solar-powered car. It's going to be great. Check it out. And you're like, oh, that's so cool. And then you realize, wait, that's already been done before. What do you mean it's already been done? I, today, on my vacation, I was studying this crazy Time Magazine book. You know those Time Magazine books that cost a lot of money? I, I splurged and I got one of these. And it talks about all this weird and crazy stuff out there that no one has any understanding of what happened. Like Stonehenge. What was that about, by the way? And then it goes into, especially in South America, all these crazy technology things that they had going on. How Babylon had a sewer system 4,000 years ago. And all these technology things that were going on. Many people say aliens visited these people and gave these people understanding. I don't think that happened. I think it's already been done. And we forgot about it. And that's what Solomon's saying. What's been done has already been done. Nothing's new. And you're going to be forgotten. What happens, and, I'm, and Jesse gave me this book called The Slavery of Death. Jesse gives me all the most encouraging books. <laughs> but it was really life-changing for me. Just a, a great book on it. That fact that we are enslaved with the fear of death. And as disciples, we don't have to fear death. Amen? Because we're going to resurrect but we can still fear little D death. Do you know what I'm saying? Big D death is, you know, we're going to be okay. We're going to resurrect. Amen. <clears throat> but I still want to make a mark. I still need to make an impact. And even our church preaches that a lot, doesn't it? It does preach. You've got to make an impact. Let's change the world. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it if we have this in the background. This was one of the most profound things I ever heard. Preach the gospel. Die. Be forgotten. Have you ever heard one of our preachers preach that? Do you even know who Nicholas von Zindendorf is? He got his wish. Who is that guy? I had a Wikipedia him and I'm still like confused on what he did. 
You know, I'm reading through. I'm like, what did he do again? But man, what a great thing. Preach the gospel. Die. Be forgotten. I think this is one of the most profound things. It's super depressing. But it's super profound, church. That's the most important thing that we... That's the, the eternal things. This side of eternity... What are we working for? What are we toiling for, church? What are we doing these things for? Another thing that I got from this amazing first two chapters was that this scripture that I think is really deep. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. This world is crooked. It's God made this beautiful world, but then it got crooked. Because what happened? Adam and Eve ate the fruit. And, he's, and, and, and I didn't realize how profound he says, you're going to die now, Adam. And you're going to toil painless, painfully mm-hmm. in the dirt. And then you're going to return to that dirt that you toiled in. Mm-hmm. Non-Christians, and even sometimes me now, I'm trying to make straight. I'm trying to make my life all pretty and wonderful and just the way I want it and control it and do the things that are going to make me happy. I want to control. I want to straighten out what's crooked. That's what we do. What is the American dream? It's, it's trying to straighten out what's crooked. You know, the, the Romans had an amazing culture back then too, right? Where, where your title became something, right? That, that, you know, I know Michael Burns talked about that. How your title meant something. And all you're working is a title. But do we remember these people? No. It's so intense to think about the fact that we must understand. We cannot, crook, we cannot straighten what's crooked. We cannot, you know, what's, what's lacking cannot be counted. We have to accept the crookedness of this world, the messiness of this world. Your world is messy. Your, your life is messy. Stop trying to make it all straight. It's so frustrating. It's, it takes your joy out of your life. You know, a couple words he says a lot. Meaningless. He says that a lot. <laughs> but why does he say it so much? He wants you to understand it's just a breath. It's just that you, you, you have a short period of time in this life. Enjoy it. Amen. Stop trying to straighten it out. Stop trying to get your to-do list done. Do your to-do list, but enjoy what you do. That you're not going to get it all done, and you're not going to get it all straight, and you're not going to count what's lacking. Church, let's give it up. Amen. He says, don't hang on. I'm preaching out of Kansas right now. (laughs) Nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. It slips away and all your money won't buy, won't another minute buy. Oh, man. Those dudes, if you see the, you see the, uh, I think they got to change their video, their music video, because their words are so deep, but then they look like they're going to the prom. (laughs) So if you want to listen to, just listen to the song, amen? The video is a little like... You know, the 70s. Come on, man. It was cool back then. Yeah. It's going to be done again. It's actually being done again, right? Um, but we, we listen to Dust in the Wind. That's you, man. That's you. Whoops. That's you. That's me. We're going to return to the dust. 
But that's okay. Amen. Are you okay with that? Mm. Are you okay with that? Do you fear death? No. Don't fear it. Amen. Don't try to make a legacy. Yeah. Be, have a legacy with God. Yeah. God doesn't forget one thing. You do. And that's what we're working for. That's who we're trying to please, right? That's what he says at the end. The one who tries to please God, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and enjoyment. Um, wisdom is meaningless. I said maybe Solomon shouldn't ask for that. <laughs> Pleasure is meaningless. Wisdom and folly are meaningless. Toil is meaningless. And this is a powerful thing. We use these things to deny the fact that we will die someday. You know, people freeze themselves, guys. <laughs> they freeze themselves. You know, that's what we're dealing with. We're, we're enslaved with that. That's what Satan attacks us with. What are you doing with your life? How are you going to build a legacy? What are you doing? How do you mark up with everyone else? How much money are you making? All these things sap our joy. And they take us away from the most important things. Pleasing God. Amen. This was profound. I read in a commentary, life in God's world is a gift, not a gain. We use all these things to gain stuff, right? What's my net worth? What's this? I mean, even that word, net worth. I mean, goodness. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. We use these things to gain. And, and that word is used a lot too. What's gained under the sun? Nothing. What's gained under the sun? Nothing. How are you healing this church? Are we okay? Amen. No one's going to jump off a bridge? <laughs> this is so important that we understand. And this is the, the foundation of the wisdom that we're going to build upon in the coming weeks. Amen. It's going to be more encouraging next sermon. Amen. But you know what? I feel encouraged in a weird way. I feel encouraged because one of the things that I've been realizing is that I might die today. So let me enjoy this time of preaching. Let me enjoy giving that hug. Let me enjoy singing 10,000 Reasons, maybe for the last time. Let me enjoy the baby's sounds. Let me take all the senses in and relish enjoyment of them. And stop thinking, maybe one day I'll get this and then it will be better. Yeah. Yeah. Once this happens, let me enjoy leading the church right now, yeah. where it is. All messy and imperfect yeah. and all jacked up sometimes. <laughs> but it's beautiful too. Let me enjoy it. Yeah. Because if I don't enjoy it, then what am I saying to God? Mm-hmm. Your gift isn't enough. I need to gain more. Mm-hmm. But the gift of life. You know, I was reading some other people, and, you know, Oprah Winfrey, God love her, right? She wakes up every day, and she says, thank you. I have another life to live. That's her practice. Who is she praying to? Maybe it's God. I don't know who it is. But she says, thank you. You know what? I'm doing the same thing. Moses said, teach us to number our days. So I got this app, and I can send it to you, where it tells you how many days you've lived of life. Including leap years. I love that. <laughs> so I've lived 15,000. 
232 days. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for this, this day. But thank you for all those days before it of enjoyment and pain. But you know what? That I live is a wonderful thing. You know? Fortunately, we're not in control. Willie Nelson. I love it. <laughs> you love it? Man, that's good. That's good stuff. Fortunately, we're not in control. Isn't it great we're not in control? You're not in control of your life. Stop trying to control it. Enjoy it. Stop trying to gain it. Enjoy it. The only goal that we have today is to please God. Please God. And then he'll give you the enjoyment you need. Stop trying to get the joy. This is a crazy quote. We tend to use the world around us, work, possessions, people, as leverage for our own purpose to achieve our goals. I'm so convicted right there. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I do. They are tools we use to master life for our own ends. Yes. But the preacher's whole point is to show us that the world cannot be leveraged to suit us. But instead, life is meant to be enjoyed, not mastered. Can I get an amen from the young mothers? Can I just say my wife, when she had little babies, you feel so much responsibility to master the world of your child. And it's so terrible, the fact that you can never do that. And now I'm still trying to master my son Joshua's world. I'm like, son, do you need a fan? I don't need a fan. Well, your skin breaks out. What about your skin, son? Well, I don't need a fan. I don't want to carry the fan. You should carry the fan. La, 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 blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Stop controlling. Hey, let them take no fan. We're just trying to control, especially with kids. It can be like that. We can try to control and master their world. And we can't even master our own, let alone theirs. But it's meant to be enjoyed. Church, let's be, let's enjoy life more than anyone else in Maine, in this world. Let's make it our joy. I'm going to bring the joy. There's this motivational speaker. He goes, bring the joy. And I thought that was so cheesy. But I'm like, you know what? Bring the joy. That's going to be my my motto. I actually want to get like a little thing that says bring the joy. Because I need to remind myself that this life is a gift. This day is a gift. So what are we doing for the questions? All right, guys. Here we go. Your mission, if you choose to accept it. (laughs) What would you like to be written or spoken about you at your eulogy? Have you ever done this before? I just recently did this. Whoa. Crazy. You can take a picture of this. I wrote out my eulogy, and it was the weirdest thing. What do I want people to say about me? Nothing, there was nothing about how much money I made. There was nothing about, you know, the churches that I developed or built. It was about how people felt when they were around me. It was about the deeper things. And yes, I did this and I did this. But you know what? I want people to know that I love them. That they saw Jesus in me. That they felt special around me. That my boys felt prioritized. And my wife felt loved. 
That's what I want to be said about me. That's what I, I think that's what you want to be said about you. And writing that out was so helpful for me. It was weird. Writing Glenn, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it was a little paragraph, too. It wasn't that long. It didn't take me long. It actually flowed out of me. It'll flow out of you. And then the, the thing is, how do I live that way today? Yeah. I've been a different person since doing that. I'm a little more bright-eyed. I see the world differently. I'm more joyful. I realize today I can die today. I might die today, but that's okay because I've enjoyed my time with you right now. And I enjoyed talking to Jim about his amp and how excited he was about that amp. You know that amp's not going to define him, but he's enjoying it, isn't it? And that's exactly what God wants for us to enjoy these things, possessions and things. Second question, how can you stop living for gain and rather life as a gift? How do you live life as a gift, not gain? You can have goals, but realize that you're going to have more fun going after those goals than attaining the goals. Have you ever attained a goal? You're like, I did it! You just feel like, wait, wait, I thought I was supposed to be happy after that I turned that gift. What happens is more problems, more issues after I return this. I got a new house! The roof isn't working! Oh, do you know what I mean? We can all do that. We can all do that in our life. And we have to remember that we have to enjoy now. Amen? Amen. In your own words, why is the saying, preach the gospel, die, be forgotten, so profound? I think I already shared a little bit about it, but I want you to think through it. Just spend your quiet time doing that. I think you're going to be changed from it. I think Ecclesiastes is going to change us. It's going to change the way we look at life. We're going to get out of the sickle. We need to be reminded that life is brief. Amen? Amen. Life is brief, but that's okay. I'm glad that we don't live till 900 years. Because I would definitely fall away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 900 years? Oh my goodness! God was like, I'm just going to make him 120. I'm like, amen, God. Thank you, Lord, for loving me and killing me quicker. Okay. You know, the last thing I want to ask you is just the fact that building a legacy is in us. We have eternity built on our hearts. Amen. And so that's why we want, you don't see monkeys trying to get a legacy. You ever see monkeys like having a funeral? They don't do that. Their DNA is so close to us, but that's the difference. Amen? That's a big difference. A big difference. We have legacy. The reason why we have legacy is because we understand eternity. But we still don't know it all. (laughs) And that's what the frustrating part about being a human is. Is that we are partly God-like. And then we're partly creatures. And what we need to do is say, I want to build a legacy with God. You know, what's your story? That's what we're going to be doing uh, uh, bring your neighbor day on. Your story is your legacy with God. Your relationship with God is your legacy. Amen? Amen. Make the most out of it. Enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I love this passage. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. Amen. Don't try to build a legacy. You know, I, I felt bad for Elon Musk today. Isn't that funny? Hmm. He's like a billionaire. And I felt bad for the guy. 
because he's so excited about his cars and his ships and his rocket ships and all these things. But someone's going to, they're going to forget who he is. I asked my son Noah, hey, Prince just died. Remember when Prince died? I was like, I was kind of sad. I started playing purple rain, purple rain. You know, I started playing his songs, you know what I mean? And, and Noah looks at me and goes, who's Prince? This dude is just alive. And you forgot him. Do, a, do something for me. Think about the people 100 years from now in your own family. Do you know them? That's how you know it's really intense. When you don't even know 100 years past your own family. Why well, did Ancestry.com? Amen. But even that, if that's how you are with your own family, how are you going to be for the world? It's okay, though, because you're building a legacy with God. You know, if you understand that life's a gift, you can enjoy life on this side of eternity and stop trying to gain and stop making the crooked straight and just let Jesus do, do what he does and make everything new someday. I believe this life is training us for the next life. Because in heaven, we're not going to have to gain. Think about it. What are we going to gain in heaven? Well, I got some goals here. I got my 10 goals for the year, Lord. I was like, what, what's a year? What, what goals do you have up here? What are you talking about? Just enjoy. Just be here right now. Are we going to even have years in heaven? It's a good question. I want you to think about these things and, and pray about these things, but please do the questions. Please do the questions if you can. I think it will change you. I know we went a little longer today, but we're going to get into Ecclesiastes 3 and 4 next week. Amen. Amen.